Here's the pitch to Yelich, and this one lifted. Center field, way back, and this one long gone for a three-run bomb with two outs here in the ninth inning. Off Kimbrell, number 42 on the season. It is 4-0 Milwaukee. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go! Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Hope you had an awesome extra-long weekend. Enjoyed uh, your Labor Day. Weather was beautiful. Whether you uh, whether you got outside and enjoyed that weather uh, is one thing. I elected to stay on the couch, kill a hangover, uh, and watch the Brewers. Whatever you did, hope you enjoyed your extra day off. Uh, that nice treat that was an afternoon Brewers game on a Monday. I'm such a fan of afternoon baseball. It was a great extra weekend. Hope you enjoyed. I am uh, I'm glad to be back. This weekend, I discovered something. Uh, and and it it made me so happy. It made me feel great. This weekend, while watching the Brewers, I was able to kind of forget about the disappointment up until this point, right? We, we had such high expectations for the Brewers coming into this year, right? And obviously, when you come within one game of the World Series, like the Brewers did a year ago, expectations will be sky high. It, it, it's basically World Series or bust, because anything else... Is, is a step in the wrong direction, a step backwards. Well, the Brewers' season up until this point has been disappointing, and don't get me wrong, as negative as we have been, it's not like the Milwaukee Brewers are, are the Baltimore Orioles, right? They're a competitive baseball team with some, with some very, very good players. So when we are down on the Brewers, I like to try not to be overly dramatic. This weekend, I was able to forget about all of that. I was able to forget that well, their starting rotation has kind of been a mess, and some of their best players this year, like Brandon Woodruff, have dealt with injuries, right? Mike Moustakis is, is banged up right now. Ryan Braun seems to always be banged up, right? It has not been a season of good luck for the Brewers. It has not been a season where they have exceeded expectations. Certainly, in fact, I think they have definitely dipped below expectations. I was able to forget about that this weekend. I was kind of able to just let that frustration go and just watch baseball. Just kick back and enjoy watching some Brewers baseball. Now, I don't know what did it. I think this weekend I was able to to see some of my family. I was able to go home for an afternoon. Uh, some friends came back down to lacrosse. As you know, UW lacrosse started class today. Maybe it was who I was watching with. Maybe it was the beautiful weather. Maybe it was the fact that the Brewers beat the Cubs two out of three games. I don't know. But I was able to to forget about the Brewers record, forget about where they are in the standings, and just enjoy watching some baseball. And that was a really good feeling. My name is Grant Bills. I am host of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. If you want to talk Brewers, Packers, Badgers, we're going to hit them all today. And you can join me on the five-star telecom talk and text line 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line. Like I said, we're going to talk Packers. We're going to talk Brewers. We're going to talk Badgers because the Badgers opened up their season last weekend. Don't forget. I wanted to start with Brewers because... I actually enjoyed Brewers baseball this weekend, maybe more so than I have all season, maybe all the way back until opening day. And it certainly helps, like I said, when the Brewers take two or three from the Cubs. There's a certain feeling of, of I think, resentment from Brewers fans. 
we adopt this mindset, I think, well, if the Brewers aren't going to make the World Series, well, we got a bunch of games with the Cubs. If the Brewers aren't going to make the playoffs, we're dragging them down with us, right? You want to play spoiler a little bit. And don't get me wrong, the the Brewers could still go on a magical run. It would be improbable. It's unlikely. I don't think it's going to happen, but they could. It's not like they've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But beating beating the Cubs two or three games this weekend and, and having a really competitive series, including the Brewers uh, pitching two shutouts this weekend as well, I, I found enjoyment just watching baseball, just taking it in, watching the Brewers relievers, starters, watching them hit. It, it was just good quality baseball this weekend. Uh, and I was able to enjoy it. It's also September now, which means September call-ups. The roster is huge, and there are a bunch of players that I have never heard of before. I'll admit it. There were a couple of players uh, on Sunday. I- I'm driving back to lacrosse uh, from my hometown, visited my family a little bit this weekend. I'm driving down, so I'm listening to the game, right? And I'm hearing these names. I'm going, who? What? They're from where? Their batting average is how- is What? I'm just looking at the box score from Sunday because this is when it became clear to me uh, the September call-ups. Obviously, yesterday they, they played against the Astros, but but Sunday uh, was the first big day where you started to notice, obviously, these call-ups as September got underway. Some of these names, Corey Spangenberg, we were familiar with a little bit. David Freitas, Freitas, I heard it said a couple different ways, <laughs> right? Jay Jackson has been up and down, but he's a player who we're probably going to see more of. Tyler Austin. Have you heard of Tyler Austin? I I can think of maybe two or three listeners that I know that are baseball purists, baseball fans who probably knew Tyler Austin. Anybody else, you're lying. Never heard that name before in my life. And of course, some newer acquisitions as well, like Pomeranz uh, and and pitchers uh, that they have acquired. Obviously, Jordan Lyles, but he's not new to the club this weekend. I had a moment uh, driving back. Uh, on Sunday, listening to the game, where I just caught myself. I, I thought of that scene from Major League when the when the opening day roster comes out and, and they're showing all the fans of Cleveland with the newspapers, right, checking out who the players are, and, and they're all exclaiming, "Who? What?" And obviously, it's filled with expletives. Like this was the line, "Like who are these guys? Who are these f-ing guys? Who are these guys?" Like that. That's how I felt on Sunday, and typically. When the, the, the last couple of years, the Brewers have been pretty good. You don't get caught off guard by a lot of no-name players, right? Well, the Brewers have some extenuating circumstances, lots of injuries, right? Guys, they have traded away, like Jesus Aguilar, right? So, some fresher names, and, and I caught myself thinking, David Freitas, who the hell is that? Who are these f-ing guys? Yeah, exactly, and you know I'm a, a, a big fan of Major League. Apologize uh, if you are not. Uh, a fan of Major League. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Yeah, all right, thanks for that reminder. Uh, moving on, they they uh, square up against the Astros tonight, and, and the game yesterday was great. The Brewers didn't come out on top, but it was such a well-pitched, well-played game. Uh, it actually went to extras. Christian Yelich uh, with a home run at the end to extend the game. I thought maybe, thought maybe we'd see another Christian Yelich go-ahead uh, home run in, in extras to walk it off, but we uh, we were not lucky. Today, the Brewers made a couple of moves. Uh, in advance of tonight's game, including recalling right-handed pitcher Corbin Burns, which I didn't think we were going to see this year. So Jeremy Jeffers was released. We all knew that was coming. Aaron Wilkerson uh, was optioned as well, or just outrighted to AAA. Uh, And Corbin Burns was recalled. Now, if you haven't been paying attention to what Corbin Burns has been up to, it it hasn't exactly been great. Your first thought, right, when anybody's called up from AAA, my first thought is, well, they must be playing great. They must be just slinging it. Uh, down in San Antonio. Well, not really the case. Corbin Burns 
uh, in 12 and two-thirds innings in this latest stint in San Antonio. So just short of 14 innings, 13 innings, has given up 25 hits and 21 earned runs with 13 strikeouts and five walks in less than 13 innings. So no, Corbin Burns has not been pitching great. In fact, he's been quite dismal uh, in his last AAA stint. But it is September. Why not? Maybe a change of scenery, maybe some extra pressure from being in the big leagues will motivate him just a little bit. So the Brewers tonight are, are going to face off against Zach Greinke. I wish the Brewers would play against Wade Miley. Wade Miley is is actually one of my favorite players right now. He was interviewed yesterday. And obviously Wade Miley knows that I think Brewers fans are a little frustrated that he wasn't retained, wasn't resigned. Uh, and he had this quote yesterday. This was tweeted out by Adam McCalvey of MLB and Brewers.com and MLB.com and Brewers.com. And it caught my eye because I, I thought it was some really good perspective and maybe a little bit of a reminder uh, that Brewers fans need. He he knows that Brewers fans are a little bit upset at David Stearns for, for not bringing him back. And this is the quote. I wish it wouldn't be like that. It's a business. And at the same time, if you're in David's shoes, you had Freddie, you had Corbin Burns. These guys are really good. I understand and goes on a little bit to, to preach patience with their young pitcher and how hindsight is twenty twenty. and going back, David Stearns would probably do it all over again because he has confidence in, in his young pitchers in his system. A little bit of a bummer. I would have loved to have Wade Miley back. He's been so good, but I think part of that is they just have such a good pitching staff in Houston, not just the pitchers, but the coaches and the trainers. They have just done such a good job with every pitcher they've brought in. And part of that is they're bringing in good pitchers, but I think part of that is, is organizational as well in Houston. So the Brewers making some roster changes. Uh, we talked about uh, Jeremy Jeffers a little bit. Let's continue to talk about Jeremy Jeffers. The Packers actually made a big roster move this weekend as well. One that surprised me. Maybe didn't surprise you, but I, I didn't think Deshaun Kaiser was going anywhere, and the Packers certainly caught me off guard this weekend. Let's talk about those big roster moves. Jeremy Jeffress, Deshaun Kaiser, out. What is your reaction? Let's talk about it next. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on, presented by Play It Again Sports, right here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. You can join the conversation. Join me on the five-star telecom talk and text line 608-796-2558. The Brewers roll on tonight. Game two, their last interleague game of the season uh, against Zach Greinke and the Houston Astros. That game here on WKTY is 640 first pitch. So about 610, 605 for the pregame. You don't have to wait very long once we say goodbye uh, for Brewers baseball to start here on WKTY. Uh, not this previous weekend, so not Labor Day weekend, but last weekend, right? There were some surprising releases, player transactions, right? Yolisha Seen was let go. Josh Jones was let go. Jack Cohen was named the starter. It was, these were headlines, transactions, cuts, moves. It kind of caught some people off guard, right? Well, there were a couple moves made this weekend as well. Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks for Wisconsin sports teams uh, as players shuffle and his players move around. And I, and I want to talk about both of them. I want to get to both of them. Jeremy Jeffers being released. Deshaun Kaiser being released. Uh, we've been talking Brewers. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to talk Badgers. A lot to come. Let's go to the five-star telecom talking text line. Uh, caller, you want to talk Packers, Brewers, Badgers? What's up? Hey, I want to talk about Packers. Let's do it. Let's start with the Packers. All right. Well, you know, they, so they... <laughs> In one fell swoop, they let go two backup quarterbacks, just axed them uh, totally. So, um, 
one of the things is one of these backup quarterbacks, Kaiser, has been sitting next to Aaron Rodgers for what two years? Yep, and didn't learn a thing. He's been, you know, he's been acting like he's still in college, and this game is way faster, way more professional, and he hasn't learned anything. And he used to start at Cleveland. The other quarterback, I don't know, you know, he's just gone. So they just, you know, toasted both of them. But the thing is, it really concerns me is that every backup to Aaron Rodgers is gone. I mean, it's like Aaron Rodgers just doesn't care about backup quarterbacks or teaching you anything. They sit sit next to the guy, and nothing ever happens. They don't learn anything. He doesn't train them. Uh, they have QB coaches that, you know, are, are, are you know, uh, basically training this guy, mm-hmm. and nothing ever happens. And I'm thinking this is about Aaron Rodgers at this point. Really? It's got to be. Okay, okay. What but, do you think? But Before I let you go, can I ask you one question? Would you have liked the Packers to keep Deshaun Kaiser, or are you just mostly frustrated that Deshaun Kaiser didn't work out? So would you prefer them to keep three quarterbacks, keep Kaiser, or are you okay with, or okay with them uh, cutting him loose? I, I think that Kaiser could have been a good quarterback. I mean, he was a starter for Cleveland and failed miserably because he had such bad training, such bad coaching. But I think he has talent. Um, but... Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think they should have kept him. Okay. You know, you, frankly. Yeah, and I'm with you, and I, and I appreciate the phone call. I, you, there was a lot to, to chew on. Uh, you, you brought us a lot there, so let's work our way through it. Deshaun Kaiser uh, and, and Manny Wilkins are, are both technically off the team. Deshaun Kaiser was cut loose. Manny Wilkins is on the practice squad. So if they want to utilize him at some point this season, they can. They just have to make a spot for him on the roster. I don't think that's going to happen. Manny Wilkins is... He might be an interesting prospect. Might be. I, I'm not going to bet money on it. Might be down the road. But he needs some work. He needs some time. He's very raw. So let's focus on Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser was cut loose. And, and you say, yeah, he wasn't progressing. He's been terrible. He was awful in Cleveland as a starter. He was pretty good. That one game that they played the Packers still couldn't beat him. To defend Deshaun Kaiser for a moment... He has had just about the most difficult situation to begin his NFL career. It wasn't a good, stable situation at Notre Dame. A lot of people think he thought he needed more time at Notre Dame. And at the time, I was like, man, just go to the NFL. It's, whatever you're learning, whoever's advising and coaching you at Notre Dame, it's not working. So that was a bad situation. Comes into the NFL and is drafted to Cleveland, a terrible situation. Right Then is traded to Green Bay. Oh, welcome to Green Bay. Welcome to the final year, the, the fire and ashes and brimstone that was Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. So now, this year, learn another system. Learn Matt LaFleur's system. So in three years in the NFL, he had three completely different situations, different systems. And I don't think his, his final year at Notre Dame went ideally as well. So Deshaun Kaiser has gotten just about the rawest of raw deals. Now, that being said, he has not progressed. He hasn't shown improvement. If you saw Deshaun Kaiser trending in the right direction, I feel a little bit better about it. But he has basically been the same quarterback throughout his entire NFL career. Is that fair? No, but life isn't fair. Sports aren't fair. It stinks that he was drafted into Cleveland. It stinks that then he was brought into Green Bay into a, a toxic environment in Mike McCarthy's last year, and then once again forced to learn a brand new system the next year. I don't think it's fair to Deshaun Kaiser. Now, fair doesn't really matter. 
right? I would have liked to see the Packers keep three quarterbacks. I, I, I absolutely would have. And I don't love Deshaun Kaiser. I don't love Tim Boyle. I don't like either of them. I would have kept them both. Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser. And I just would have tried to figure it out this year. Here's why. I don't love Kaiser. I don't love Boyle. I also don't love Aaron Rodgers' injury history. Okay? I don't think... I think Aaron Rodgers is just an injury-prone player and that typically does not change as players get older. In fact, they typically become more injury-prone. You don't see players get healthier as they get older. And I have Aaron Rodgers' injury history in front of me. Let's start in in 2013 because I think that's the, the current Aaron Rodgers era. Yeah, he, he got injured in 2006 and in 2007. And in 2008, that was so long ago. That was a different iteration of the Packers. That was a different iteration of Aaron Rodgers. Let's start in 2013 because that's when he broke his collarbone the first time. Then in 2017, he broke it again. And then last year, he busted up his knee. Now, both in 2014 and 2018, he was injured, didn't miss much time. Aaron Rodgers was eliminated or or knocked out of week 17 last year, but played the most of the season. 2014, didn't miss any time, was kind of hobbled. But since 2013, every other year, something has been wrong with Aaron Rodgers. Now, the only the only injury that he's missed substantial time with is that collarbone injury. Let's go back to 2013 because I see some eerie... I, I, I get a little freaked out. Because in 2013, the Packers kept Scott Tolzien and Seneca Wallace as backups, right? Aaron Rodgers goes down. Seneca Wallace starts one game and gets hurt. Scott Tolzien starts two games, wasn't very good. And if I remember correctly, and I apologize for not knowing, he gets hurt. Or he was that bad. It doesn't matter. So then they bring in Matt Flynn, who starts four games. So the Packers gave nine starts that year to Aaron Rodgers, four to Matt Flynn, two to Scott Tolzien, and one to Seneca Wallace. That was six years ago. Soon to be seven. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting healthier. He's not getting less injury prone. And while I still love Aaron Rodgers and don't think for a moment that he should be traded or replaced, you need to prepare for the possibility, or in my opinion, the likelihood that at some point he's going to get dinged, he's going to get injured. Do you really want another 2013 where you got to bring in guys off the street or when you're getting multiple quarterbacks sustaining injuries? Sometimes when it rains, it pours. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Okay, we like Seneca Wallace. Well, there's a good chance he might get hurt. He did. What about Scott Tolzien? We like him. Well, what if he gets hurt? Well, now you're on to Matt Flynn. What if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in week three, misses a quarter and a half, and Tim Boyle gets rocked? Now what do you do? Seriously. I Well, partially I'm, I'm, that's a rhetorical question because they don't have a third quarterback, but also that's kind of a literal question. Like, who is the next quarterback? Randall Cobb is gone. I don't know who the next quarterback is. Only keeping two quarterbacks really, really, really worries me. Because 2013 was, in my opinion, a look of incompetence for the Green Bay Packers. That trend of incompetence continued year by year by year because they were never able, under Ted Thompson or Mike McCarthy, to find a solid backup for Aaron Rodgers. They were never able to get the backup quarterback position figured out, even though they cycled through handfuls and handfuls and made trades and drafted players. They just never got it figured out. And it looks really bad. It's a bad look for Green Bay. When one game you got Seneca Wallace, next Scott Tolzien, next Matt Flynn. Now this year the Packers only keep two quarterbacks. What if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and Tim Boyle's out there with nobody behind him? You're scrambling. 
Manny Wilkins from the practice squad or making a trade or, or bringing in a street free agent. That looks really bad. It's a look of incompetence. It looks like the Packers, outside of one stroke of lucky genius drafting Aaron Rodgers, don't know what the hell they're doing when evaluating quarterbacks. Because ever since Aaron Rodgers got drafted, it's been nothing but below average to just plain terrible quarterbacks behind him. And I know our, our, our caller, and I apologize for not addressing this, our, our caller made mention that Aaron Rodgers doesn't, this is an Aaron Rodgers thing. Aaron Rodgers doesn't care about his backups. He's not paid to care about his backups, okay? I understand that in a perfect world, in a sports utopia, Aaron Rodgers would wrap his arms around Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser and and give them the keys to the kingdom, right? Teach them all of his wisdom and, 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 and practice with them and, and hang out with them and, and go to barbecues and have his family over to their house. That's just not how sports works. Aaron Rodgers was not paid. He's not under contract. It's not his job to bring along his backups. And, and, and that goes all the way back to Brett Favre. Brett Favre said the same thing. So it's not just an Aaron Rodgers thing. I would like to see, yes, more progression out of the backups. And I would certainly like to see the Packers keep more than one quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Players who are injury-prone do not become less injury-prone as their careers continue, as they get older, and especially as they eclipse age 34, 35, 36. And we're in that very important portion of Aaron Rodgers' career right now where he's probably on the backside of his prime. Still in his prime if he can stay healthy, but still on the backside of his prime. And players who who are injury-prone do not get less injury-prone as they age. And I hate that the Packers only kept one quarterback behind him, and it's Tim Boyle. Who I who I like more than Deshaun Kaiser, but let's be real, it's still Tim Boyle. Packers open their season this Thursday night. Tomorrow, think of this, when we wake up tomorrow, we're going to be able to say, the Packers play tomorrow. That's pretty exciting. We didn't have to wait quite as long for the Badgers. They played last Friday uh, and, and really took it to their non-conference opponent, Southern Florida. Let's talk about that and clear the air on, I think, some misconceptions right now about this Badgers football team. Uh, Let's talk Wisconsin. Coming up next, this is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM. 580 AM. You can always stream live on our website, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app as well. We are less than two days, or I guess about two days, uh, from the kickoff of Packers season and the NFL season. The Badgers got underway last Friday. I'm excited to be talking football again. Are you ready for some football? Yes, I'm excited for more coming up on on Thursday night when the Packers get underway. We almost forgot about the Badgers last week, didn't we? College football... Sneaks up on us a little bit. It certainly sneaks up on me, and I almost forgot. That, oh, yeah, shoot, Badgers play tonight. Get to the TV, get get to the radio, right? And it was a, a beatdown for the ages. Last night on, or last week, Friday night, the Badgers winning 49-0 at Southern Florida. On the road, not a neutral site game, not a Camp Randall, but a, a true road game against the University of Southern Florida. Now, the 49-0 to score, I think, accurately tells the story of the game. I don't know if it was Wisconsin being that good, or I don't know if it was Southern Florida being that bad. Right, The Badgers, in this game, in this one 60-minute window, right, four-quarter window, the Badgers were that much better. It was 49-0. to This is not, well, the score makes it look a little bit worse than it was, or that was garbage time score. No, the Badgers 
pummeled and obliterated South Florida last Friday. Now, the result, the score 49-0, I don't know if it was because Wisconsin is that good or South Florida is that bad. That was a horrible look for Charlie Strong in South Florida. That was bad. And I'm 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 watching the game on Friday and I'm and I'm on Twitter a little bit and and I'm following along and, and I'm watching it. At this point it was the third and fourth quarter. The game was well well underway. The Badgers led at halftime 28 to 0. The game was over. And I'm following along and, and I, I was eerily reminded of Bo Pelini and those Nebraska teams that just could never ever stop Melvin Gordon or James White. Or Monty Ball. Remember that 2012 Big Ten Championship game? Like Those Nebraska teams and Bo Pelini, I'm sure he was a, a great coach. You don't get to be a coach at that level at a university like that. And they had success, don't get me wrong. But it, when it came to stopping Wisconsin's run game, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They, they gave up 70 points in a Big Ten Championship game. And, and Melvin Gordon had a coming out party. No one knew who he was. You don't get that in in a in a college football game of that magnitude. Nebraska could do nothing. Melvin Gordon ran for 408 in the snow. That doesn't happen. But Nebraska could do nothing about it. Nebraska and Bo Pelini were just could never ever stop Wisconsin's run game, which was never a surprise, right? Nebraska, the Huskers knew what the Badgers were going to do. They still couldn't stop it. That's what it reminded me of. Is is the sideline pan shots, the fan uh, shots in the bleachers, and you almost feel bad, right? Like I see, I, I see these pictures of Charlie Strong or, or these pan shots during the game, and I'm like, man, I almost feel bad. I almost feel bad. It was 28-0 at halftime. It was 42 nothing at the end of the third, and then of course seven points in the fourth. That, that gets you 49-0. I felt bad, and it reminded me of when the Badgers used to absolutely embarrass Bo Pelini at his time. Uh, in, in Nebraska, in big games too. Those weren't non-conference games; those were huge games. It reminded me a little bit of that, and I almost felt bad. That looks bad. Charlie Strong. For those who don't know, and, and I don't blame those who aren't super familiar with South Florida. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert. Charlie Strong, their head coach, used to coach at Texas. You don't hire a former Texas head coach without there being some excitement, some expectation, some reason for fans to believe that this team is going somewhere. A home game to open the season against 19 Wisconsin, who, let's be real, most people probably believe that Wisconsin got that 19 off of reputation, which is fair, because it's week one, and that's how rankings work. This was a good opportunity for South Florida to, to make a statement, or at least hang in there, and show that their program is making progress, and they lost 49-0. to Good God. I don't know if that win was about the Badgers being that good, or if it was about Southern Florida being that bad. What I do know, I do know a couple things. Number one, Jonathan Taylor did work on his receiving. He, d- he, he is working on becoming a better receiver. We saw it, because he was their leading receiver, and he only needed two receptions to do it. Two receptions, 48 yards, two touchdowns. And 36 of it came on one play. So two catches of 36 and of 12 for a grand total of 48 and two scores. He had four touchdowns, career high. Two of them were for receiving. If he can be a a true threat to catch the ball out of the backfield, that opens up a whole nother gear in the Badgers' offense. Because I already like their weapons. With the addition of Quintez Cephas, who had a couple catches. He had three catches uh, on Friday night. Paired with 
Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. And I like Jake Ferguson. By the way, did you know Jake Ferguson uh, is uh, Barry Alvarez's grandson? Did you know that? You add Jonathan Taylor as a receiving threat into that bunch, the offense is, is, is so much more open because you have to account for Jonathan Taylor coming out of the backfield. I do know that Jonathan Taylor did work on his receiving, and hopefully that can be a bigger part of his game moving forward. That was not a one-game, uh, uh, what would it be, an aberration? I do know that I think there is a different edge to this Badgers team because the last two years, I think there was a certain arrogance, not a bad kind of arrogance. Like everybody needs a certain level of arrogance in their personality. The last two years, I think there was a certain level of arrogance from this Badgers team, especially in non-conference play because Paul Christ and Jim Leonard didn't really appear interested in blowing out opponents, right? While Ohio State was winning 72 to 6 and Michigan was winning 55 to 9 the Badgers were winning 28 oh, 14 right 21 to 7 against BYU or, or Southern Georgia or, or Middle Tennessee Pit, take your pick of non-conference tackling dummies right Wisconsin really didn't appear interested in making a statement in blowing teams out the last couple of years because I think deep down Paul Christ and Jim Leonard thought we don't need to blow out these these teams. If we just take care of business, win the Big Ten West, get to the Big Ten Championship game, we'll, we'll be in the conversation and we'll have an opportunity to make the college football playoff. I think this year, I hope, and I think after seeing the result on Friday, that they're taking a little bit of a different approach and saying, look, if we truly want to be in the conversation and be a true contender, not a pretender, but a contender to be considered for that four-game, uh, four-team college football playoff, we need to make statements. We need to blow these teams out. It would have been easy for Jim Leonard to take the foot off the gas in the third and fourth quarter and say, okay, well, we don't need to shut him out. No, I think Jim Leonard took it a little bit personally and said, you know what? I- I'm sick of not blowing these teams out. If we want to make the college football playoff or we want to have that as a legit goal, we need to flex our muscles a little bit here in the first couple of weeks. A- and I think there's a little bit of a different edge this year in comparison to the previous two or three. I know Jonathan Taylor's a wide receiver. I know this team has a little bit of a different edge in the way that they're approaching these non-conference games. One thing I do know is the Jack Cohen denial in this state is real. Jack Cohen was great. He completed over 70% of his passes, 19 to 26, that's just over 70%, threw for 200 yards, two touchdowns, and didn't turn the ball over. I don't know, what, what more do you want? I think we would have taken that. Go back to when the Badgers had elite defenses with the with uh, T.J. Watt and, and Vince Beagle, right? That defense at the height of their powers three or four years ago now. All that team needed at quarterback was a quarterback who could throw just above seventy percent, could throw for two to two to two to two fifty per game, maybe throw a touchdown or a couple when they need it, and don't turn the ball over. There you go. Jack Cohen gave it to you on Friday, and I tune into morning shows from Madison, Milwaukee, Eau Claire, Lacrosse this morning. And you know what I heard? Man, it would have been nice to see Graham Mertz on Friday. I heard, I heard takes like, "Well, Jack Cohen did good enough to earn another start. He's going to fend off Graham Mertz for another week or two. Jack Cohen was the perfect quarterback on Friday night. Complete over seventy percent. Throw to two to two fifty. It's all they need." Maybe throw a couple of touchdowns and don't turn the ball over. Thumbs up. Did it. Perfect. He didn't earn another start. 
He's not fending off Graham Mertz. He's the starting quarterback, and he got off to a great start on Friday night. Jack Cohen denial in the state is real right now. I'm not saying that Jack Cohen is the greatest quarterback in the world. He doesn't have to be. Wisconsin isn't going to ask him to be the greatest quarterback in Wisconsin history. But if he can just be consistent and avoid dumb turnovers like we saw with the previous quarterback, Alex Hornibrook, he'll be fine. And no, Graham Mertz isn't challenging him for the starting job. Good Lord. Good Lord. I I, I could not believe what I was hearing this morning, tuning in to, to listen to people talk about the Badgers and talk about Jack Cohen. He was great. And, and from all accounts, everything I've read, everything I've heard, people I've talked to at our sister station in Madison, he looks very mature. He's very well put together. And his teammates follow him. And I've heard from firsthand accounts from players at UW-Madison that that certainly wasn't the case with Alex Hornibrook, that he was kind of a skeevy guy, right? That he didn't really, he wasn't really interested in being around the team. And when he got hurt, he quit on the team and, and just wasn't there. Jack Cohen just doesn't need to be that. Just don't do that. Don't be that. Don't throw picks and don't be a, a skeezy Jay Cutler personality in the locker room and you're fine. And no, Graham Mertz is, is not being held back. Graham Mertz is a true freshman. And that's the way he's played in practice. And that's why he didn't see any action on Friday night. And you're just, you're just going to keep yourself up at night. And you're just going to raise your blood pressure. If you keep expecting, keep hoping that Graham Mertz is going to come through that door. And, and be a Heisman candidate his true freshman year. Take what you got with Jack Cohen. Because the performance on Friday night. That's the kind of quarterback Badgers fans have been clamoring for. For the last four or five years. We might have it. Don't ruin it by clamoring for a true freshman who's been not terrible, but who has not been nearly as good in practice, in scrimmage. Just enjoy. The Jack Cohen denial is real. Don't be a Jack Cohen denier. I, I want to get back to the Packers talk because we are just hours away, just about two days uh, from the Packers and the Bears kicking off the NFL regular season. Did you see the newest Aaron Rodgers story? It's a big deal. Everybody, everybody was talking about it. I'm so exhausted with a new Aaron Rodgers story. Uh, every other week. We'll talk about that and how I think it's a non-story, at least a lot more so than the last couple of Aaron Rodgers stories that we've had. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next, presented by Played Against Sports, back in a moment here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a great night. We are blessed with, hopefully, a a high-level baseball game tonight between the Brewers and the Astros. That game will get started at 6.40 pregame at 6.10. Just a couple of minutes after the conclusion of the Wisco Sports Show. I'm enjoying Brewers baseball right now. I had a good time watching Brewers baseball this weekend. I hope that continues and I think it's because I stopped focusing on the record, focusing on the division, maybe the, the the underwhelming season up until this point, and just enjoyed. And if you have been uh, down on the Brewers, negative about the Brewers, I would recommend you try the same tonight because I found it uh, very freeing this weekend, very enjoying. We talked to Brewers earlier on in the show. If you missed, check it out at WKTYsports.com. Check out the podcast. It will be available right there uh, as are all of the Wisco Sports Shows and Damon Scrady's show in the morning for that matter as well. Check it out. I want to talk Packers. We are about two days away from the beginning of the NFL season. The Packers taking on the Bears at at uh, Soldier Field, not at Lambeau Field. And it seems like for the last two months, 
there has been an Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur story kind of every other week, right? Aaron Rodgers hates joint practices. Matt LaFleur loves them, right? Contradicting each other. Matt LaFleur says, well, we don't audible very much. And Aaron Rodgers said, well, I don't know why you why you wouldn't let me audible, right? The, the Michael Silver story. It's been kind of nonstop. And while I don't think it's nothing, I don't think there's much to it. Obviously, we've talked about it. It's it's of note. I don't think it's everything. It might be a little something. Now, the latest story, and and with the voice of Zach Heilprin during that Wisconsin Sports Zone update, you would have heard Matt LaFleur saying, I, I'm just tired of talking about this, right? Aaron Rodgers is going to have freedom at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be able to call audibles. We want to be in the best position as an offense, and I truly think that Matt LaFleur rightfully believes that giving Aaron Rodgers freedom is the best way to have offensive success and be in the best position possible uh, to execute. Look, I don't think this as is as an official proclamation. I don't think this is. I don't think this is announcement. I don't think this is a battle that was won or lost by either party. Right. I, I was watching Sports Center a little bit this morning and, and listening to some sports radio, and it was played up as though Aaron Rodgers and Lafleur have locked horns for this for weeks, and now Aaron Rodgers is finally emerging victorious with the control, with the flexibility at the line of scrimmage that he's always wanted, and he's finally wore Matt LaFleur down, and LaFleur finally caved. Aaron Rodgers wins, LaFleur loses. That's how it's been portrayed, and I I find that a little bit short-sighted. I find it, frankly, a bit ridiculous. You can't have a winner or loser, a head coach and and a quarterback, their job is to work together. Their job is to collaborate to create an offense that's most effective. And sometimes that means two different personalities, right? Two different sets of ideas combining to create the, the best overall product, right? Diversity creates the, the strongest, the best possible product. Ideas coming from different places. This wasn't a win or a lose because Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur aren't at odds unless they truly do hate each other and it's been kept quiet. And I would find that pretty outrageous given the fact that they've been together just for a couple of months and they haven't actually played any real football games yet. They're working together. There isn't a winner or a loser. And the 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 quote, the soundbite, the little snippet, the headline that's been taken from that audio, from that interview has been Rodgers has the green light. And doesn't that work great as a headline, right? Doesn't that work great as a tweet or or as some clickbait uh, to drive traffic to an article. It's something, but it's certainly not this official proclamation that Aaron Rodgers has earned my trust and now he is free to do as he wishes. No, I I, I just think Matt LaFleur understands that Aaron Rodgers has the experience right, of reading defenses and, and is their best tool to lining up in the best possible formation and having ultimately the most offensive success possible, having the best offense, right? This is posed like a win for Aaron Rodgers and a loss for Matt LaFleur. I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I, I thought the best take, the best spin on this that I've heard all day was by Doug Gottlieb of Fox Sports Radio. He, he said, look, Aaron Rodgers is the driver of the car. Matt LaFleur is the mechanic, right? Matt LaFleur is equipping Aaron Rodgers with a good set of tires, right? Maybe if we really want to drag this this car analogy out, he's equipping Aaron Rodgers with some tires, maybe with a supercharger, Right, made some modifications to the engine. He's really tweaked that car to fit Aaron Rodgers, to best support Aaron Rodgers, and to give Aaron Rodgers the best chance at success, which ultimately will lead to success for the offense and Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers is still driving the car. 
right? Matt LaFleur can do a great job of tweaking the engine and, and, and creating this perfect environment around Aaron Rodgers for success. But ultimately, Aaron is going to have to make the reads, right? He's going to have to make the throws, obviously. He's probably going to have to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. He is driving the car. And Malafleur is the mechanic. He's the one who tweaks the offense, sets it up, and puts Aaron Rodgers in that position to succeed. There's no NASCAR team, there's no pit crew that orders their driver what to do on the track. Right, A, a, a crew chief is not in the, the earpiece of a, of a NASCAR driver saying, go left, go right, slow down, speed up, make your move inside, outside. They provide assistance, they provide guidance, they say, hey, Come into the pits. We're here if you need us. All right, come in. We're, we're going to change your tires, give you some gas. We'll help you out. We'll be your eyes. We'll be your ears. We'll be your support system. But ultimately, the driver is the one making the moves. Aaron Rodgers is the driver of the car. So ultimately, Matt LaFleur is going to have to trust Aaron Rodgers to drive. And, and, and to pose the situation as... Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur being at odds. And Aaron Rodgers has now emerged victorious. He's come out on top. And Matt LaFleur finally caved and said, you know what, Aaron? Fine. Fine. You do what you want. That's, I, I, I just don't think that's accurate. And I think it's a little bit irresponsible because they're on the same team, literally. They're on the same team. This is not a win or a loss for either one of them. Because ultimately, right, the goal is to have the best possible offense. It's going to take both of them, right? Just much like a NASCAR driver. You need a great driver behind the wheel, but you need a great support system to make sure the car is ready, and, and so the pit stops don't take a, a, a long amount of time. And you need a good crew chief to spot, well, this I think this driver's about to make their move. I think you need to shoot inside. I think you need to play this. Oh, there's a wreck up ahead. Look out. But ultimately, the driver is the one executing on the track. Not the mechanic. Not the, the pit crew. Not the coach. But the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And I think Matt LaFleur understands that. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to be happiest. He's going to be the happiest one of all of us when the season finally starts and we have something else to talk about. Look, these little these little stories between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they're not nothing, right? Don't cast them off as nothing. It's part of the maturation process, the growing process between the two to, to create the best possible offense. It's a process. It's not nothing, but it's not this huge, grandiose soap opera of a story that I think a lot of the media has turned it into. And don't get me wrong, there's not a whole lot to talk about right now. Right? The NBA is in probably the quietest portion of their offseason. Baseball, at least with the Brewers, has, has really not taken off the ground. And let's be real, national media, right? sports talk hosts don't really talk about baseball all that much until the postseason. Right? So we have this. We have this to talk about. And I don't blame... Sports talk radio hosts for hitting on this. It's just not the, the the grand soap opera that everybody is making it out to be. I will be relieved when the Packers start the season on Thursday night. Like I said, so we have anything else to talk about because I'm getting worn out. Hopefully this is the last Aaron Rodgers head coach story for a while. We can talk X's and O's. We can talk wins and losses. And we can ultimately talk about how this Packers team is trying to get Aaron Rodgers back to the playoffs for the first time in three years. We're out of time. Brewers are up in just a couple of minutes. They're playing the Astros and former Brewer Zach Granke. Good luck, Brewers offense. Tonight would be a great night to get out of uh, get out of your little slump that we've seen the last couple of days. 
First pitch at 640. Pre-game up in just a couple of minutes. Enjoy the game. Can't wait to be back talking about it tomorrow. Same time, same place. Talk to you then.